What up, guys? Welcome to episode three of the Truish Hoops podcast with Dan Aquino. As usual, I got another great episode for you guys because finally, Damian Lillard has requested a trade from the Portland Trailblazers. I'm going to talk about what I think is going to happen, where I think he'll possibly end up. And I'm also going to talk about the New York Knicks' offseason so far. I'll also recap some of the noteworthy free agent signings of the past week, as free agency has been underway for the past week since our last episode. So, as I'm sure you've heard, Dame has requested a trade from the Blazers, and it is long overdue. In the 11 seasons Dame Lillard has played for Portland, he's been a 7-time All-Star, 7-time All-NBA, he was the 2013 Rookie of the Year, he's in my opinion one of the clutchest players in NBA history, he's also... I think one of the greatest three-point shooters in NBA history, and that's not an opinion I hear very often, but it's an opinion I completely believe. Of course, he was also named to the NBA Top 75 list. He has a career average of 25 points per game, which is actually 11th all-time, higher than some people you'd probably not guess. Four rebounds, seven assists on 44% shooting, 37% from the three-point line, and 92% from the free-throw line. So... Where can he possibly end up? Now, if you've seen all the reports over the past few days since he's since this has come out, it's all Miami Heat. That's the only place he wants to go. There's even reports from reputable journalists that Damian Lillard's agent is actually putting out the word to other teams that may be interested, such as the Celtics, the Spurs, um, that he does not want to go to anywhere else. But the Miami Heat. Lillard is only willing to play in Miami, which has been the rumors ever since the end of the offseason. You know, with the back and forth stuff between him and Jimmy Butler on Instagram. And of course, Miami's a great place. Obviously a great city, fun to be uh, it's fun to be there. Um, and they just went to the NBA Finals. So they're, you know, a team that's prime and ready uh, to compete in the Eastern Conference. They did lose two players in Gabe Vincent and Max Struess, so they're going to need something to replenish that offense that they lost. Max Struess and Gabe Vincent were huge for them in this playoff run in which they made in the NBA Finals. Damian Lillard, I think, does put them over the edge. I'm not sure if they're quite the favorite in the East. They're certainly in the mix, you know, with them, the Milwaukee Bucks, and Boston Celtics. And, you know... The problem is that the Blazers aren't exactly enthused by the trade package that Miami is putting forth. And most likely it's an offer centered around Tyler Hero, maybe Caleb Martin, Kyle Lowry, and then picks added. Now that is not, by no means, the best trade offer they can probably get from around the league. I'm sure there's a lot of other teams that could do better. I think the Celtics can offer up Jalen Brown if they were willing to. They've been shopping Jalen Brown for the past couple of years, even though they don't want to admit it. Every year, Jalen Brown comes up in rumors, whether it's for Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, and now it's Damian Lillard. I think if the Celtics offered up Jalen Brown, that would be by far the best option. For the Blazers going forward, Jalen Brown is still very young. He's a player that can accelerate their rebuilding process. That's already off to a good start. You know, they just drafted Scoot Henderson, they have Anthony Simons, who's a great young player. They re-signed Jeremy Grant, albeit for a lot of money. They have Shaden Sharp as well, who they drafted last year. They already have you know, the makings of a good team. They still have Nurkic, who you would assume 
If you're going to move Lillard, you're going to move Nurkic too and possibly move them together. That will be, you know, we'll have to see what these deals end up being. So the real question is, the question that's been bothering me for the past couple of days, and you've probably heard it on other shows throughout the week from whatever sports talk shows that you digest, including this one, do the Blazers owe it to Damian Lillard to trade him to Miami? I think they absolutely do not owe it to him and i'm gonna tell you why sure damian lillard has faithfully stayed in portland the team that drafted him 11 years ago all this time despite them being unable to put a good enough team around him he has sat there and said that he wants to be there and he's played very very hard for them that's great but now he is not really giving the Blazers an option. He says he only wants to go to Miami and no other team. Doesn't want to go to Philly, who's trying to trade James Harden as well. That's another situation that could help Portland get better assets, whether it's from Philly or a third team involved, whatever that third team would be, whether it could be the Clippers, who've kind of been thrown around in some of this stuff, whether it be with James Harden or Damian Lillard, the Knicks maybe. They have a lot of assets they could trade. A bunch of other teams, the Jazz, have a lot of picks and stuff like that. So why should the Blazers be obligated to trade Damian Lillard to a place that doesn't help them necessarily but only helps Damian Lillard? The Blazers don't want Tyler Hero. They don't need Tyler Hero. They have guards. They have Scoot. They have Anthony Simons. They don't need Tyler Hero. And maybe the Portland front office is not very high on Tyler Hero. I can imagine that. And then Caleb Martin, Kyle Lowry is way, way over the hill, even though he had some good moments in this playoff in this playoff run for the Miami Heat. It's not a great offer. And in the end of the day, Damian Lillard chose this life. He spent years. All these years that we've been speculating every offseason, will Damian Lillard leave the Blazers? Will he request a trade? Should he request a trade? We want him to request a trade, yada, yada, yada. All these years that we've been speculating this, and now that it's finally happening, Lillard was always adamant that he wanted to be in Portland, that he wanted to win there, that he was loyal. He even made fun of other players for running away from the grind. Is he not now sort of running away from the grind? You know, you can't have your cake and eat it too. I think I said that in a TikTok uh, two weeks ago when when these rumors were first started flowing around. Damian Lillard has to realize that you put yourself in this position. Sure, Portland is definitely to blame. They could have done more possibly to put a better team around you. But I'm, I'm going to mention in a few seconds, we're going to talk about it, you know, just how hard it is for small market teams to build a championship level team. And I know we're just coming off the heels of Denver winning. But of course, they drafted Jokic in the second round. They got a gem stroke of luck. You never anticipate something like that. The Bucks won a few seasons ago with Giannis Antetokounmpo, who was drafted uh, 14th or 15th in his draft. That's a stroke of luck. He became a generational player. You need generational talent to win titles, and you need a lot of luck. Portland just hasn't had that, unfortunately. Their best tandem with McCollum and Lillard just never wasn't really good enough. By the time Lillard got there, LaMarcus Aldridge was already kind of declining and then he ended up going to the Spurs so Lillard had the chance many times to request a trade get out but he didn't do that instead he signed an extension 
and is now requesting a trade with the two years left on that extension in which he'll be making a lot, a lot, a lot of money, which makes moving him very difficult. So I don't think the Blazers are obligated to trade him to Miami. Will they end up trading him to Miami? Ultimately, I think they will because what other option will they have? I think they're going to wait this out, though. I don't think this is something that happens in the next week, honestly. I think this is a waiting game. We see both sides going to play their own leverage. The Blazers are going to field offers from anyone who wants Damian Lillard. And Lillard and his agent will continue to probably call teams and tell them, you don't want an unhappy star. Lillard doesn't want to play there. For example, I've seen some reports that Lillard does not want to go to the Boston Celtics. I think it was from Chris Haynes. Uh, He basically laughed when asked if the Lillard would be willing to play for Boston, and I don't think he will. But that's the best offer. I don't think there's any other team that we've heard from that will offer something better than Jalen Brown, who's in this prime. Now, Dean Lillard is free to think how he wants. He's free to want what he wants. It's his career at the end of the day. So I don't blame him for doing this. It's just not... I think I just don't think it's a good look. You know, franchises have been bowing down to superstars for a while now. You know, LeBron gets a lot of flack for the superstar movement nowadays, but I don't think this is anything like what LeBron ever did. LeBron has finished every contract he's ever signed. We have superstars now that are signing extensions for four or five years and then requesting a trade so that they have all the security in the world uh, in terms of the money, but they get to tell the front office, demand where they want to go. And front offices have been kind of shackled to the point where they kind of have to listen. I mentioned how difficult it has been, at least from my point of view, small market teams trying to build great teams and it's just become so difficult with the way players, the the power that they hold in the NBA in front offices, and especially for franchises that they've played a long time for. Because the, the reality of it is, is that small market teams, nine times out of ten, are not attracting the big free agents. Think about it. Every time a big free agent is available, there's a couple of teams on their mind. It's it's any of the L.A. teams. It's New York, Miami, Philly, maybe Boston. It's all the big market teams that, in most cases, especially right now, have a lot of talent already. They want to go somewhere to win. And, and then small market teams also, have, we're at a point where tanking is not incentivized anymore because we had a really bad product a couple years ago with a lot of the bottom tier teams. And you could blame the Philadelphia 76ers for this because they employed this completely with their trust the process, you know, tactic where they said, you know what, we're going to be as bad as possible every single year. <laughs> get the best draft pick as possible, whether it's one, two, three, four, five, and draft the best college player, the best international player, whoever's the best player they can get at that pick. And let's hope, let's build a team together of young guys and hopefully one of them on the roll of the dice becomes a superstar. That's no longer the case. If you look at the past couple drafts, you know, Zion ended up going to the Pelicans. The Pelicans had like only the ninth worst record that season. You know, they weren't one of the worst teams. You know, Houston got the first first overall pick a few seasons ago. Uh, Detroit has been bad 
for successive seasons, they got Kate Cunningham um, a few years ago, and this year they ended up picking, I think they picked fourth or fifth. Like So it doesn't guarantee you a great draft pick being bad, and that sucks for the teams that are actually bad. I don't think every team that's quote-unquote tanking is doing it on purpose. I think some teams just aren't very good. Like, they just don't have the talent. They have a lot of young guys. Houston this past year was terrible. They were terrible. They have a bunch of young talent. But they had, you know, a, a coach with not a lot of experience, a lot of young guys who are coming from situations where they were the guy. These kids are growing up now in high school with a lot of social media coverage, whether they go to college or not, because, you know, now we have the G League Ignite. You got the over team. Oh, I'm sorry, the overtime team. There's a lot of other avenues to get to the NBA other than college before. You know, in college, a lot of star players, depending on where they go, they have to learn how to play in a the system. They have to learn to play with other great players, especially players that go to the big blue bud schools where you're playing with the eighth kid, the eighth best kid in high school. You're playing with the 10th best kid in high school. You're playing with a bunch of kids that are also just as good as you are. That's not necessarily happening anymore. So you have some of these young guys coming in thinking they're going to take the league over with a lot of confidence, and that's warranted. You know, you shouldn't be very confident in yourself. But it could lead to bad chemistry on the court, and I think that's what happened with Houston. We'll see how they are this year. They signed some new players, got a new coach, Eman Doka. We'll see how that goes. But small market teams, you know, are at such a disadvantage, I feel like. And then even when there are stars that request a trade, like we're seeing with Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard has one team on his list. It's Miami. And if you look at other stars, like Anthony Davis, he wanted to get traded, never gave the Pelicans a list, but everyone knew he wanted to go to L.A. Paul George, when he wanted out of Indy, wanted to go to L.A. Indiana didn't care. They ended up sending him to Oklahoma City, but two seasons later, Paul George requests a trade, and he says, I want to go to the Clippers. And he gets sent there. Kyrie, when he left Cleveland, when he left Boston... Wanted to go to a team that was in contention, a team that was good, a team in a big market. And that's just kind of how it is. If you look at NBA history, all the NBA championships are held by a handful of teams. And a lot of those teams are big market teams. I mean, what the Lakers and the Celtics by themselves have 34 championships out of the 76 that have been won. So I think that's really a problem, and I think that's what the CBA this year is really trying to uh, attack. Whether it works, it's going to take some time whether we see that. And then another thing is star players now, because of the money, the huge contracts that they have, they're not quite yielding the packages that they used to. They're not quite attracting as many teams. There's not that many teams that can really do what would be necessary to get Damian Lillard, or they're not willing to move the mountains for him. Because, of course, Lillard is 32 years old. He's making a lot of money, and with the restraints of the cap now with the new CBA, trading for Damian Lillard is not as enticing as it possibly would be if he was younger, if he was making less money, if the CBA rules were different, if the card cap rules weren't as severe for teams that go into the luxury tax. So it's going to be really interesting to see what the Blazers ended up doing. I think they're going to be in a good shape regardless because they have some young players already. They're just going to have to stay the course and run the rebuild simulation. They have a lot of their own picks. 
Hopefully they're going to get more picks in a trade for Damian Lillard. Hopefully Damian Lillard finally ends up happy. And hopefully he competes for titles and we'll see Damian Lillard back on the big stage. Now, let's move into the New York Knicks' offseason. There's been a lot of discourse among NBA fans. I've been a little plugged in to see a lot of people's opinions on how they feel the Knicks overall as an organization is doing. And everyone's usually on an either end of an extreme. Either they're fed up with Leon Rose and company. They want Tibbs gone. They want Randall gone. They want something to change. They want a trade to be made. Usually they can't name the trade that they want to be made, but they want something to be done because they're afraid of falling into this like middle ground in the NBA where you're not good enough to win a title, but you're not bad enough to get good draft picks, and that's kind of where we were. We ended up losing that pick swap um, with the Dallas Mavericks because they ended up tanking their season, not making the play-in. We made the playoffs, and record the way the record's worked out we ended up missing out on a first round pick this year so let's look at what the Knicks have done so far now Hart picked up his player option for around 12 million so that actually helped the Knicks a lot we're paying him a lot less money he'll be eligible for an extension throughout the season he can become a free agent and we resign him that way whichever works regardless he'll be a New York Knick next year he'll be helping us he'll be a big part of the rotation now, we also signed Dante DiVincenzo, who was on the Warriors last year. He's a good young player, defensive-minded, tough, good shooter, exactly the type of player Tibbs likes. It's coming from a winning, well-running organization. And, of course, he played on the Villanova team that won the title several years back with Jalen Brunson. And also Josh Hart. So we're just bringing all the Villanova guys together. I hope Michael Bridges is next. And then maybe we could get Jay Wright to coach. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. But that was pretty good. I liked that signing. Even though it gives us a lot of guards. Seven guards. In fact, on the Knicks right now. Between Jalen Brunson, Grimes, Hart, Quickly, Deuce McBride, Dante, and then Fournier. Eight, if you include RJ, who plays a lot of shooting guard. Uh, I do hope Fournier is moved at some point. I just don't understand why he's even on the roster at this point. What It's possible a trade comes about. You know, free agency still well, you know, brewing with Harden. Still has to get moved. Lillard, I think, will get moved as well. Who knows if the Lake, I'm sorry, if the Knicks end up as a third team in one of those trades. Whether we're getting anything significant back. You know, who knows, Fournier can end up in some of those deals. So Dante DiVincenzo signing, good. Hart picking up his option, great. I loved it. Now I'm going to talk about something I despised. And I'm serious. The fact that we traded Obi Toppin to the Indiana Pacers for two second rounders honestly got me so mad. Now, I knew this was coming. I didn't think the trade would be this bad. But I knew Obi Toppin was gonna get traded. It's just it was it was it's been conversation since the deadline. We didn't move him at the deadline. It's clear that he was never going to reach his potential here in New York as long as Tom Thibodeau was the coach and as long as Julius Randle wore a New York Knicks jersey. Ah oh, man. Why did we even draft him? Honestly. 
the reports when we drafted him, first of all, I was very happy. I liked, I really liked Obi Toppin in college. He was a dominant basketball player, won the National Player of the Year. He was great at Dayton. Older player, experienced, mature. I just loved everything about it. Now, we had Randall, and Randall was coming off that really bad first year with the Knicks. So I understand the trading, um, sorry, the drafting of Obi Toppin as insurance, just in case the Randall thing really didn't work out. Of course, Randall ends up breaking out that next year, one most improved, was an all-star. We were a playoff team, fourth seed, we go to the playoffs, you know, we lose to the Hawks, whatever. It kind of put Obi Toppin in a tough position where he was limited in terms of minutes, unlike any of his other fellow draft picks of that season. Most players in the lottery, if they don't start, they at least come off the bench and they play significant minutes because most of them are on teams that are terrible. We were terrible the year before, or at least bad enough to get the eighth pick. It just so happened that he played a position in which our best player ended up excelling. So from the get-go, it might have never worked with Obi Toppin. For the love of me, I don't understand why we never, ever, ever saw Toppin and Randall on the floor together. I mean, Tibbs claimed that the numbers and the film supported that it was not going to work. I refuse to believe that because... I never saw it on the court. Where was Tibbs getting this film from? They never played together on the floor. I just don't understand. In an era of small ball, in an era where teams are putting five shooters on the floor, and I'm not calling Obi Toppin a great shooter. I think he's a good shooter and was definitely improving. I think a lineup with Randall at the 5 and Obi Toppin at the 4 was would really give teams trouble. How would you guard that? Most centers are too slow to guard Randall. And then most 4s nowadays are a little smaller than what Toppin is. Toppin's, what, 6'10"? High flyer, runs the floor. I mean, he really creates mismatches in transition. And just I just don't under, I just don't get it. I mean, just from a basketball standpoint, why don't you make sure, cover all your bases, make sure that Obi Toppin can't play before you trade him? I mean, I understand he's a little older for a third-year player, but I mean, I mean, he had one of the most electric moments in that 2021 playoffs with that alley-oop in Madison Square Garden. He was a fan favorite. It just, it sucks. It sucks to see him go. And even worse to a team that we're going to play multiple times in the season, a team that's starting to gear up, starting to put some talent together. That Indiana Pacers team looks pretty good. I think they're going to be in the playoffs next year. Tyrese Halliburton just signed that extension. I think he's going to be their point guard of the future. I think he's really good. He's not better than Jalen Brunson, but I think he's really good. He was averaging, what, 20 points, 10 assists per game. He's not going to miss let me tell you, he's not going to miss Obi Toppin wide open for lops. Because, God, do you know how many times I saw that? Toppin, I mean, I feel bad for the kid. Because he'd be Toppin's motor is insane. He runs up and down the floor, no problem. And just so many times he'd get out in transition and whoever would be Randall or, or RJ, they would just miss him. I mean, he'd just be wide open, running to the rim.
And it just, man, you know, Obi Toppin as a starter, averaged 21 points per game, six rebounds, three assists. I mean, whenever he got the minutes, he produced. And that's probably the worst part about it. There's gonna there's Knicks fans out there that are trying to convince themselves that Obi Toppin couldn't play. So be it. Whatever makes you sleep better at night. But Obi Toppin was a good player with some potential, and we traded him away because we are married to Julius Randle and the philosophy of Tom Thibodeau. I do want to also talk about the Paul George trade that I mentioned last week. The rumored Paul George trade, if we were going to get involved in anything going on with James Harden, apparently the Clippers and Knicks had some had some conversations. And this trade was proposed. Paul George would go to the Knicks. R.J. Barrett, Quentin Grimes, Evan Fournier, and three, I think three first-round picks would go to the Clippers. And with that, Paul George would want an extension and the report is that that was the deal breaker. I understand. Get your money. You know, he still feels he's still an elite player, but an elite player for the next three, four years, I'm not sure about that. I am not sure about that. And that would just be classic Knicks signing an old veteran who used to be elite to a big contract. That's not what we want. That's not the that's not the that's not the vision. So I'm very glad that this trade was rejected i'm surprised to hear that the clippers are actually shopping paul george you know it was kind of speculation kind of rumors there were some reports but there was it wasn't nothing substantive but apparently this multiple people in new york media reported this that that's this was rejected that this was a conversation that be that was had it's interesting i think I, i'm confident more now that the clippers will trade paul george if the deal comes about it's just hopefully will not include the knicks and if it does include the Knicks, it will not include Paul George ending up on the Knicks. Now I want to move on to recapping some of the free agency decisions that were made for the past week. First week of free agency, very active, of course, aside from the trade request. First of all, I want to address, this actually happened, I think, before last week's episode. I just didn't talk about it. In what world does it make sense for the Chicago Bulls to re-sign Vucevic to a three-year, $60 million contract. And this is not really about the money, $20 million a year. That's not bad for Vucevic. He's a starter, you know, easily 18 and 10, 18 and 12 a game. That's great. But just what exactly are the Bulls' plan? Because Lonzo's career is not looking good. I have faith that he's going to be able to maybe come back and play a little bit. Whether he's going to be able to sustain playing basketball, NBA basketball, for an 82-game season for years to come with what's going on with his knees, I'm not sure. I'm not a doctor. But I do know that he's not going to play at all next year. And then you got DeRozan, who's only getting older. He's going to be on the decline, even though he's had some good seasons for Chicago offensively. And then you kind of just have Levine here. You know, he's kind of he, Levine's in the middle of his prime. He's had moments of brilliance. He's had moments where you're wondering, is this kid really all that? I just really wonder, what are the Bulls doing? I think they're the next team. They're the team that is in denial. And I thought, I think some people thought that this year would be the year. that, like, all right, we move on. This didn't work. We didn't even really get a chance to run it. 
when they had everyone healthy, Caruso, Ball, DeRozan, Levine, when they had everybody healthy, they were one of the best teams in the East, albeit a couple, only several weeks into that season. But then once the injuries came, it kind of all fell apart. And then last year, they were not very good. They lost in the plan. I just think the Bulls have to look in the mirror. Like, what are we doing here? What is the plan? And if there is no plan, then you got to start looking at where you could go with DeRozan and Levine. I don't know. DeRozan's a little older. I think Levine is great. Levine's been thrown around with the Knicks because of his age and you know, he's kind of where we want, where we need a player, a dynamic scorer that can play on the wing. Lonzo, you just hope he can make it back to the NBA. I mean, that's just a sad story for a player to have their career derailed by injuries, especially really before it began. I mean, he only played a few seasons in L.A., played a season in New Orleans, got to Chicago, got a big contract, and was expected to you know flourish as a starting point guard. He didn't really get that chance. So, I don't know. The Bulls thing confuses me. Um, Touring Prince, one of the first free agents to go. Uh, he signed with the Lakers for a one-year $4.5 million deal. I think a really good pickup for the Lakers. The Lakers are trying to keep as much of their team together while building on and adding on to a team that was thrown together really at the trade deadline. Had an AD that was dealing with injuries. Had LeBron who was had a foot injury, and they still were able to make the conference finals. Unfortunately, got demolished by the Denver Nuggets. But I think that's a really good sign. Torian Prince is a good shooter, averaged 10 points per game over his career. He's been, he's going to be good for them off the bench, offensively and defensively. Harrison Barnes, this is, I think this is a mistake. The Sacramento Kings, who... I think are on the verge of greatness. I think they're on the verge of really breaking through and becoming a contender. For some reason, with options that I thought were better, decided to stay with Harrison Barnes, give him gave him a three year, fifty four million dollar contract. He wasn't great against the Warriors. I really don't think so. I understand Harrison Barnes has some championship pedigree. He's been in the league for years. He's you know he was in that Warriors organization for a long time. And I guess the Kings want to keep some continuity with their roster. Hell, go for it. But I thought maybe Kuzma signing there would be really good. I think they need an offensive upgrade at that position. But I understand they weren't a great defensive team last year. And maybe Harrison Barnes is one of their better perimeter defenders, I think. And try to keep as much defense as possible. Kuzma, not even, even though Kuzma's long and has, I think, the potential to be a good defender... I'm not sure he's quite the defender they would want at that position, given the type of players you're going to have to guard at that small forward position. Even though Kuzma's an upgrade offensively, I guess they wanted to keep Barnes. But I think that's a mistake. Now, the Cleveland Cavaliers, they re-signed Karis LeVert, which is great. He was great for them uh, throughout the season. They also signed Max Struess and George Niang, which I think are great pickups. Max Struess, of course, helped the Heat get to the finals, great shooter, play some defense. George Niang as well, also a great shooter, was one of the better bench players for Philadelphia. I think those are great signings for a team that's already really good and possibly just got even better. I mentioned Kyle Kuzma. I thought he was going to the Kings last week. Ends up going back to the Wizards, which is a little strange 
given that the I thought the Wizards were trying to lose. I thought the Wizards were kind of dealing everybody out. But Kuzma's young. Kuzma, they need to pay somebody. And they gave him a four-year, $102 million contract. But I'm very excited for one thing. The fact that Kyle Kuzma and Jordan Poole are going to be on the same roster. That team is going to be hilarious to watch. For multiple reasons. There are going to be nights where them t- they're electric on offense. Kuzma and Jordan Poole. Because they have all the talent. And I think they're going to fuel each other in ways. You know, they're, they're kind of both loose cannons in the same way. I think they're going to fuel each other some games. And there's going to be games where they both shoot below 40%. And they're just going to take free shots whenever they want. Because, of course, the Wizards have no direction for the moment. They're just going to try to be bad. To try to get best, the best picks they can. And they're going to just let Kuzma and Poole play free basketball. And it could be fun to watch. Some other big signings. Bruce Brown. He got the Bucks, Big Bucks. Two-year, $45 million contract to sign with the Pacers. I mentioned the Pacers. I think they're going to be a better team. And Bruce Brown's definitely going to be a part of that. Bruce Brown's a winning basketball player wherever he's been. Brooklyn, Denver, now in Indiana. But <laughs> the money. I mean, all the power to him. I had a feeling that he would only leave for he would only leave Denver if he got a really big payday, and that's exactly what happened. There was no way Denver could ever match this type of contract, not even come close with their um, payroll. So, congrats to Bruce Brown on the money. Get your money, big boy. Now, Chris Milton and Brooke Lopez both returned to the Bucks. Expected. Is it the best for the Bucks? I think so. In the moment, I think they're gonna run it back. Giannis got hurt. They were one of the best teams in the league last year. If Giannis doesn't get hurt, who knows what happens in the playoffs. If they do still lose to Miami, maybe, maybe not. So they're going to run that back at least for now. I do think the Bucks eventually are going to have to figure something out. How they're going to extend this championship window of theirs. Because Brooke Lopez is older. Chris Middleton soon, I think, is not going to be that great of a player. I think he's going to have some type of decline over the next few seasons. And then Drew Holiday is already talking about retirement at the end of his contract. So you lose two out of those three guys. You know, you're just going to have a bunch of a bunch of guys. And then Giannis Antetokounmpo still in his prime. So the Bucks, you know, I think that's got to be in the back of their mind, looking at the horizon a little bit. But at least for next year, I think they're still going to be very good, one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. Fred Van Vliet he signed with the Houston Rockets for a three-year, $130 million contract. This is a tremendous overpay, but um, the Rockets had money to spend. They had their eyes on Fred Van Vliet the entire um, period before free agency. The only way the Toronto Raptors could match this type of contract was by moving a player like a Gary Trent Jr. or an OG Ananobi. And the Toronto Raptors view those players very highly, along with Scott Barnes, um, Scotty Barnes. So it made sense that Fred Van Vliet, who wanted a contract close to the max, would go wherever the money was, and that was in Houston. It's going to be interesting to see how that team looks now with Fred Van Vliet and also Dylan Brooks, who signed to the Rockets along with all the young players, Jabari Smith Jr., Jalen Green, how they're going to look with a new coach, Imanadoka. Now, Derek Rose, no longer a New York Knick. We thank you for your service. 
he is going to the Memphis Grizzlies. So he'll be playing back in Memphis where he played his college ball. He'll also be wearing uh, number 25 once again. Desmond Bain also was re-signed for a five-year $207 million maximum contract. Now, I'm never, I'm not one to pocket watch, but is Desmond Bain, let's be real, is Desmond Bain worth this money? The Grizzlies obviously think so. I do not. I do not think he's worth this money. Now, he's still a young player. It's possible he can, you know, explode, become a 23-point-per-game scorer, and then this contract won't, won't be as bad. But in the moment, I don't know. I really don't know. But you know what? I mean, that's kind of a thing right now. A lot of players are getting money that maybe they don't aren't deserved of in terms of what you think a player, a max player is. But then again, Tobias Harris has a max contract. There's a lot of guys that get max contracts depending on the offseason, depending on the free agents. Teams have to spend a certain amount of money, you know, according to the new CBA. He's got the max. They believe in him. It's going to be interesting to see this Grizzly season. They got Derrick Rose and Marcus Smart now to run that point guard by in the time that John Morant's going to be gone, which is the first 25 games. And then once you bring John Morant back, he's going to have not one, but two point guard veterans who can maybe steer him onto a better path, a more focused path in which basketball is the main focus and not, you know, a parade in his city. I mentioned the Lakers earlier. They signed Torian Prince. They also signed Jackson Hayes. They signed Gabe Vincent to a three-year, $33 million contract. Gabe Vincent was, of course, on the Miami Heat, helped them get to the finals. And they also re-signed D'Angelo Russell on a very team-friendly deal, Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves. And they still have eyes on another big. They still they want to go into the season 14 spots. So they're looking at you know maybe Bull Bull who was waived a few days ago. Christian Wood, who's still on the free agent market. His market is dwindling in terms of how much money he's probably going to get. So maybe the Lakers with whatever whatever cap they have left, whether it's the veteran minimum or something a little more, maybe could get Christian Wood. I mean, if they get Christian Wood, I mean, I really like this Laker roster as it is. I think they have a lot of contingency plans, whether they lose Anthony Davis at some point in the season, whether they lose LeBron at some point in the season whether they lose D'Lo at some point in the season to injury. I think they have a lot of guys who can play multiple positions, fill in multiple roles. I really like this Laker team. This is a team went to the Western Conference Finals. You're now adding to that roster. I think they're going to be one of the top contenders in the Western Conference, and I'm not sure many people really think that because of the apprehension you have with the injury history of Anthony Davis and now LeBron James. I mean, LeBron James is going to be 39 years old next year. How much longer can he continue to play an elite level? I think we've kind of reached a point where we're not looking forward to it. At least I'm not. But we're kind of waiting to see when it happens, when this kind of drop-off happens. And I think some people thought it was this Western Conference playoff run where he kind of didn't, he wasn't always the best player on the floor like he has been previously in his career, where he had games where it was clear as day, LeBron's the best player on the floor. He only had maybe th- three games like that through the entire playoff run, and I don't think there was a single game in the Denver series where it was clear he was the best player. Maybe you could argue game four. I think he played really well. 
but kind of fizzled out toward the fourth quarter. Just lost, um, lost steam. But I literally like that Laker team. I think the Western Conference is going to be very interesting next year. Now, somehow, I can't believe somehow Miles Bridges ended up back on an NBA roster. I mean, he's a great basketball player, but is this the type of guy you want on your team to represent your franchise? Is this the example you want to set? I'm going to leave it at that. Now, our own Brooklyn Nets, they re-signed Cam Johnson. They also signed Lonnie Walker, who had his moment in that Lakers series against the Warriors. Lonnie Walker's a good young player, great finisher, has a smooth jumper that's been improving every year he's been in the league, really athletic, and a good defender. I think that's a great pickup for Brooklyn on you know the building of whatever they're trying to get back to in terms of playoff contention. Now, most recently, Grant Williams in a sign-and-trade Four years, $53 million. He'll end up on the Mavericks. I think that's a good pickup for the Mavericks. Grant Williams, good player. I don't think had much room to grow in Boston uh, at the current moment. And I'm not sure he was going to get this type of money from Boston. So he's walking into a situation in Dallas where he's going to be playing with Kyrie. going to be playing with Luka. He's going to be getting a lot of shots. And they need uh, someone to fill that role. That was previously Christian Wood's role. So they've clearly moved on from Christian Wood. And they've perhaps upgraded with Grant Williams. I'd like to thank you guys for tuning in to episode three of the Truish Hoop podcast. Make sure to follow the podcast on TikTok and to follow me at OZP Dan on both Instagram and Twitter. Thanks for listening. I'll see you guys next week.